You're listening to the Capitol Press Room and returning our attention to standards in education and specifically the way state assessments are scored in New York. The potential move is part of the continuously shifting goalposts for what's expected of students in New York, according to a recent analysis by Emily DiVertola, an education policy analyst for the Empire Center for Public Policy, a conservative-leaning think tank based in New York. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So for starters, the issue we're going to discuss has to do with quote unquote cut scores. And before we dive into policy coming out of the state education department relating to cut scores, can you explain what the heck cut scores are? Yes, I will absolutely get into that. A little bit of of background Mm -hmm. is probably necessary here. Please. Essentially, what's happening in layman's terms is that New York is lowering the standards for student achievement across the board, both in terms of how students are scored on state assessments, these cut scores, but also the types of assessments that students will be taking and even the skills that they will be assessed on. And we can definitely get into the details of all of that. But I think it's important for your listeners to know that this is coming at a time where New York students are struggling with the basics, reading and math. We have not managed to achieve 50% proficiency on our own state assessments since 2012. You know, on the nation's report card, we rank 46th in the nation when it comes to fourth grade math, and we're not doing much better on any of the other categories. So it appears that the Board of Regents seems to be taking the approach of shying away from objective measures of these foundational skills that students are really struggling in, and instead just kind of changing the definition of what it means to be proficient. Um, And the cut scores are, are one element of that. So... If your listeners have seen some things in the news about the cut scores, this is referring to a recent decision that was made by the Board of Regents and their Technical Advisory Committee to lower the cut scores on our three to eight state assessments. And cut scores are basically the point that we determine whether a student is proficient. So when you lower the cut scores, lower test results are considered proficient and more students will be counted as proficient. So proficiency rates will rise Every school will demonstrate growth, you know, no matter what is happening in the classroom. So that's the reality of what it means to, to lower the cut scores. And that's what the Board of Regents has decided to do, sort of the first step in the process of a rollout of new assessment and curriculum standards in the state. So is it possible by establishing a new cut score demarcation that it is a response to what actually qualifies as proficient or is the reality that people students are are going to be deemed proficient when, in fact, they have neither demonstrated that or likely are proficient in the area that they've been tested on? Yeah, so unfortunately, there hasn't been much transparency, but what we do know is the data point that they're using and the rationale behind it is that they believe the new normal should be based on the test results from last year, school year 2021-2022 which, as we know, that was the pandemic year. It was, it was the lowest year in New York's history when it comes to student achievement. And in fact, we were told many times that those scores were not even indicative of student ability or, or school's efficacy. But that is the data point that they will be using to establish the new cut scores, you know, the lowest test results in New York's history. And this, unfortunately, is, is not the first time that New York has kind of shifted the goalpost. Um, And unfortunately, the class of 2022 really received the brunt of a lot of these changes. The class of 2022 was once set apart as New York's aspirational cohort. Back in 2015, long before the pandemic, New York was struggling to align with common core standards, and they set their sights on the class of 2022 to prove that they had successfully aligned to these federal standards. 
and they actually had planned to raise the cut scores for the class of 2022. They were going to graduate with a higher score than ever before on the Regents exam. And like I said, long before the pandemic in 2017, they already knew they were not on target for this and they rolled it back. And this was the same class that would eventually be granted such flexibility on their Regents exams. You know, we've heard isolated stories of schools. The Times Union reported that high school in Albany where teachers were being encouraged to pass students who were not meaningfully showing up to school, not passing their coursework. And even the Comptroller report that was released earlier this year found that that same cohort of students may have been struggling all the way back since third through eighth grade. So moving the goalposts like this really makes it difficult to meaningfully measure how students are doing. And when you lose the chance to do that for potentially an entire K-12 to cohort of students, just send them out into the world without meaningfully proving mastery of skills, anyone can assume you know, you're, not, you're not really setting them up for success. Well, so what are the practical ramifications of deeming students to be proficient even though they aren't? If they weren't, for example, would they be held back? Would there be some sort of implications for the school that those kids go to? Why does it matter if kids are deemed proficient or not proficient? I mean, the reason why it matters the most is so that teachers, first of all, have meaningful data on how their students are doing before it's too late to do something about it so that students aren't entering grades at differing or unknown levels of ability. So that's one important factor. And, you know, parents and the public also deserve to know how their students and and their schools are doing. And it's especially important when you think about how New York students will stack up to other countries who are really taking the opposite approach. New York was not alone in dealing with pandemic learning loss. And there are even other states who have dealt with proficiency issues back 10, 20 years. Wisconsin is a good example of this. I think people would be surprised if they looked at the nation's report card state comparison tables, at which states they'll see in the top. Wisconsin is the example I'm bringing up because they were in a similar position to New York not too long ago. They had 64% of their fourth graders were not reading on level. They had actually the nation's largest achievement gap between black and white students. And they took the opposite approach of New York. They really doubled down on foundational skills and literacy and numeracy. They took advantage of the assessment technology that has modernized a lot in the recent years. And they now capture meaningful longitudinal data on how students are doing from pre-K all the way through what they choose after graduation. They've created an environment where students are getting the skills that they need K to eight and have meaningful career opportunities. And they're shooting up on the NAEP report tables. So I think it's, it's especially concerning when you think about how New York students will stack up against other states or even what their opportunities will be within our state. There's been a few reports released that a few state schools are seeing more and more students needing remedial classes, for example, when they enter college. So these are all things that are symptoms of this problem. Well, let me reintroduce you here for listeners just joining us. You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Emily DiVertola, an education policy analyst for the Empire Center for Public Policy, a conservative-leaning think tank based in Albany. Based on the ambiguity surrounding the state and its future plans with the utilization of cut scores and determining proficiency, is it possible that the way the state education officials could approach this moving forward, whether it's the, their methodology or uh, the quantitative data that they're going to use, that they might end up not watering things down, that the process could either be at the same level of rigorousness or even, while unlikely, a, a more rigorous and tougher test for proficiency? 
Well, New York certainly has that opportunity. When you look at some of the things that they're planning, and anyone can look into this, New York will, by 2025, have a brand new curriculum called the New York State Next Generation Learning and Assessment Standards. And part of this is what we have already talked about, changes to scoring criteria. Um, I can tell you a little bit more about what they're planning, and then you can decide how rigorous that sounds to you. So along with changing the scoring criteria, they're also looking into different types of assessments, what's called project and performance-based assessments, which differ from the traditional nationally normed assessments like our nation's report card test or the ACT or SAT. These would be opportunities for students to be assessed based on presentations, putting together portfolios of work, things that are inherently more subjective than those tests that I mentioned at the start. So along with new types of assessments, they will be assessing for new skills. So this represents sort of a departure from a focus on foundational skills, literacy and numeracy, and moves more towards what's called 21st century skills, kind of loosely defined, but usually refers to things like creativity, collaboration, civic engagement, certainly important life skills, but these are contested and experimental ways of ensuring critical knowledge. They've been tried in other states, tried in other countries, um, and they are experimental. So what you've kind of highlighted there is this emphasis that we've heard, not just from the state education department, but from teachers unions, as well as democratic lawmakers about the idea that we overvalue standardized tests, whether it is these national tests, the ACTs, SATs, and that we need to have a more holistic view of things. So if that's the narrative they're pushing, does it make sense that they would do something to potentially weaken the overall impact of the assessments administered for kids grade three through eight, and that this is in keeping with a philosophy that's being espoused here? I mean, I certainly don't think standardized tests are the end-all be-all. I wrote my dissertation on whole child development. I'm very proud of it, so I'm happy to debate that with anyone. I think with the situation New York finds itself in, it is important to strike a balance between ensuring that kids have the foundational skills that they need, especially literacy and numeracy, in the early years, K to eight. Maybe we can get creative with our high school experience when we've captured meaningful data. Maybe we take on a longitudinal data system like is going on in other states where we can incorporate workforce and economic data and really create a lot of you know, relevant career and pathway development opportunities for students in the later years where they pick up some of those soft skills, critical thinking, collaboration, problem solving. But I think it's important that students are meaningfully assessed in the early years for these foundational skills. And the truth is that assessments don't have to be as high stakes as they are in New York. They're high stakes for a lot of reasons in New York. Kids are not doing well. And also, New York has not updated its assessment framework. You know, like I've mentioned before, assessment technology has come a long way. There are other states that are using modern assessments that are computerized with plenty of modifications for students with disabilities that are what they call adaptable, diagnostic, and continuous, meaning they adapt for students' ability level as they take them to get them out of the test quicker. They diagnose for learning disabilities, for English language learning needs, and even just grade level knowledge gaps. They are scored immediately and transparently. They provide meaningful data to teachers before it's too late and meaningful information to the public. And you know these sorts of things actually make assessments lower stakes and frees up time and opportunity for these, these other things that are equally important. But you really can't skip out on, on the former. Well, we've been speaking with Emily DiVertola. She's an education policy analyst for the Empire Center for Public Policy. Emily, thank you so much for making the time, and we look forward to hearing more about your dissertation in the future. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit 
capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a union of professionals in education, human services, and health care.